The strange but true stories featured on this podcast contain details some people may find unsettling. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Chayaz Samuel and things are about to get weird. Hello friends, welcome back to our second ever instalment of Weird Fix. This is the mini episode where I tell you a couple of shorter strange tales and throw in a fascinating fact at the end too. It's a little dose of weirdness to help tide you over until our next full episode and I've been so thrilled by your feedback so far. It feels amazing to have weekly content going live for the podcast again and I have a particularly unique blend of topics to cover in Weird Fix today, starting with a bizarre news story I stumbled across late last month. Back in the summer, the small town of St. Leonard's-on-Sea in the southern English county of East Sussex popped up in the headlines for the strangest of reasons. In one of the town's charity shops, the Hastings Advice Representation Centre, an unusual donation had been both bought and returned twice, with the customers claiming that it was, quote, possibly cursed and had a creepy aura. But this item wasn't an old VHS of the full Monty or a copy of a 90s celebrity's autobiography. It was a framed portrait by an unknown artist depicting a young girl wearing a red dress. It had been given to the charity shop by a middle-aged man who had also donated a number of other frames at the same time and had subsequently been bought and taken back by two local women. Neither of them had asked for a refund when returning the portrait, they simply wanted to get it out of their possession and were clearly frightened and distressed by the object. The shop's owner, named only as Steve, has spoken out about how the little girl's eyes seem to follow you around the room, so it seems he shared in the customer's view that it was pretty creepy. Wanting to be fully transparent about the way the painting made those who purchased it feel, the shop decided the best course of action was to be fully upfront about it. They placed a note on it which read, she's back with three exclamation marks, sold twice and returned twice. Are you brave enough? With a price tag of £20. They put the portrait in the shop window in a bid to capture the interest of locals who might be more open to owning an object like this. But before long, it gained more attention than they could have ever bargained for. After an eagle-eyed shopper took a photo of the portrait in the window, let's be honest, I would have done the same thing, they posted it to social media and it quickly went viral. People were captivated, wondering what on earth could have happened to those who had previously bought it for them to want it gone. Now, after it went viral, the second owner, Zoe Elliott-Brown, saw an opportunity. She had a change of heart and decided to buy it back and put the now infamous painting on eBay to see if any collectors would be interested. It's safe to say that they were. The portrait was bought for £1,680.01 by the owners of one of the UK's top horror attractions, the London Bridge Experience, with Zoe giving half of the proceeds back to the charity shop. But... From the minute the attraction's manager, James Kislingbury, picked it up, things started to go wrong. 
He told a Metro reporter that on his way home from East Sussex with the portrait in tow, his car broke down totally unexpectedly, and that was just the start. Once the painting was hung up on the wall inside the attraction, James recalled spotting that water appeared to be dripping down the girl's face, which he described as bizarre. Odd things started to happen in the wider attraction too. All of the TVs inside stopped working and their tech team couldn't figure out why. Their Wi-Fi and security cameras also started malfunctioning and the washing machine broke too. He also noted a couple of other totally unexplainable incidents, like a pool of water appearing on the floor and flashing lights on the wall. And one staff member even reported seeing a figure in a black skirt in the building, despite being the only one there at the time as the attraction was closed. James also suffered some bad luck himself, like dislocating his shoulder in a freak accident on holiday shortly afterwards. Despite all of this, however, the London Bridge experience decided to keep hold of the artwork, and it's now displayed in the entranceway. Their hope is that by providing a permanent place for it, perhaps the little girl within the portrait will be able to rest. Skeptics have, of course, questioned whether this whole thing has been one huge PR campaign, but something about it feels quite raw and genuine to me. Let's just hope that the run of bad luck the attraction has experienced is at an end, and that any curse within the portrait has started to dissipate. Okay, for our next story, we're taking a sharp turn into a totally different subject area, though it's definitely another one that continues to capture my interest. If you've listened to episode 13 of the podcast, all about the bizarre life of D. Gary Young, the founder of multi-level marketing company Young Living, you'll know all about my feelings towards the MLM business model. In my opinion, many MLM companies are akin to commercial cults and operate dangerously close to being pyramid schemes. In fact, some MLMs have been forced to close down or restructure after rulings declaring that they are pyramid schemes, so take from that what you will. As far as strange but true stories go, I believe that some of the tales that come out of these companies are as weird as it gets, and you'll know what I mean if you've listened to episode 13. Anyway, a very odd new trend seems to have emerged amongst many of those who are involved in one MLM or another. And although this trend is not an instance of multi-level marketing in the traditional sense, it's still, in my opinion, a total scam. If you've been scrolling through social media recently and have come across one of those videos that invariably begins with someone saying, do you want to earn $10,000 in passive income every week just by selling a digital product? Message me to find out how. It's very likely that you've just watched a clip posted by someone involved with master resale rights. It's not actually a new thing, but it's definitely trending at the moment. The premise is very simple. Person A creates some kind of digital course, usually related to marketing, although sometimes it's framed as how to be successful. And they sell this course to person B. Person B then not only has access to the course and all the information within it, but they're also allowed to sell it on to as many people as they like, keeping 100% of the profit. Because the master resale rights are included in their initial purchase cost. 
And if person B doesn't know how to sell, don't worry. That's what the course is usually for. It will teach you. It sounds amazing on paper, right? What an enterprising idea. Unfortunately, the reality is very, very different. Firstly, we're not talking about person B purchasing the course from person A for, say, $30 or so. No, no, no. I have seen these courses being sold for anywhere from a few hundred dollars to thousands. For the sake of this explanation, let's meet in the middle and say person A is selling a course about digital marketing for $1,000. This person could be a legitimate experienced marketeer, or they could just be someone who happens to have a decent following on social media. They then sell their course to their followers, persons B, C, D, and so on, who now have this course to sell on to others. People involved will usually be spouting off all kinds of fantastical statistics. I earned $30,000 in two weeks, or I made six figures in two months, etc, etc. But here are the problems. One, the product itself is kind of irrelevant. I'd be willing to bet that nothing written in any of these courses is particularly groundbreaking. From all I've seen, it's fairly generic information that can be found for free online. But within the scheme, it doesn't matter too much, because you're not really selling the course, you're selling the dream of financial success. Two, in a true indicator of a business model that appears suspiciously similar to a pyramid scheme, it would be literally impossible for everyone who bought the master resale rights to a course to make a profit, because eventually you would run out of people in the world to sell it to who didn't already own it. And that's assuming everyone wants it in the first place or could afford it, which would cut out a huge percentage of the population. Three, because everyone involved, persons A, B, C onwards, are selling the exact same product, the market is instantly oversaturated. There would be nothing passive about generating income from it whatsoever, because the time it would take to convince anyone to purchase the course from you over the next person who also owns it would be extraordinary, especially if it's hundreds or thousands of dollars. All this before we even get to the fact that it's a huge financial risk from the word go. If person B invests a thousand dollars into this course, purchased from person A, no matter how many motivational Zoom calls or promises person A makes to person B about the potential they would have when it comes to selling it on, there is absolutely zero guarantee they will ever be able to sell it on even one time to make their money back and break even, let alone find multiple people within their personal network to buy into it and actually make a profit. Add on to this that one of the reasons master resale rights seems to be so popular amongst people involved in MLMs is because they have this ready-made network. I've seen a lot of evidence of people high up in various MLMs pressuring the people in their downlines to buy whatever master resale rights course they're shilling. Under the guise of, this course will teach you how to be more successful in this MLM and you can sell it to others too, which feels extra predatory and gross to me. 
I could truly go on about this for hours. This is really just the tip of the iceberg on this scam. I've had to be intentionally a bit vague and not call out specific people because I've seen instances of those involved getting very defensive recently and threatening legal action. So I'm just protecting myself a bit. But if you're interested, I would highly recommend doing some more research on this. There is lots of information out there. Just be careful though, because people who are involved in this and are trying to sell something are really trying to flood the search results with positive spins and angles around MRR. So always remember to consider the source. If someone's trying to sell something, they're not gonna talk about it negatively. And please, whatever you do, stay far away from getting involved in master resale rights yourselves. Finally, it's time for our quick fascinating fact for this Weird Fix episode. Over in the UK, we celebrated Bonfire Night, also known as Guy Fawkes Night, on the 5th of November. It's a commemoration that relates back to the gunpowder plot of 1605 and usually involves crowds gathering around a large fire where an effigy of the gunpowder plot group member Guy Fawkes is burnt. There are usually fireworks and sweet treats and it's all quite fun. But did you know that the word itself, bonfire, is actually a compound of two words? bone and fire. This is thought to be because of an old Celtic tradition of burning animal bones during Samhain on the 1st of November in order to keep any unwanted spirits away. It was previously misattributed as coming from the French word bon as in good by Dr Samuel Johnson, the man who wrote a dictionary of the English language back in 1755. I think we can all agree that the bone angle is much more interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today for this second edition of Weird Fix. I really hope you found it interesting. A couple of quick shout outs to the sources which helped in my research. There were two different metro.co.uk articles by Sean Elvin about that cursed portrait. One from August of 2023 and another from October. There was also a piece on history.com about the origins of Bonfire Night, as well as a tweet from the team at QI. If you stumble across anything that you think would make a good addition to our next Weird Fix episode, please do let me know. You can find us on Instagram at Things Get Weird Podcast, on Facebook by searching for Things Are About To Get Weird, or you can pop me an email at thingsgetweirdpodcast at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, a quick rating or review wherever you listen is always much appreciated. I'll be back in a week's time with our next full episode. So until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep it weird, but the good kind of weird. <laughs>